So, contrary to the advice given in the sound of music, we are not going to start at the very beginning, even though it's a very good place to start. Um, We're going to start at the end of our passage in verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So as we move our emphasis as a fellowship, we need to remember to continue to connect with God and with each other. We need to take the help offered in fellowship, both with God and with each other. And we need to be brave enough to both offer and receive what we need to grow in our life with Jesus. So whatever is said and whatever is done, it's understood that that needs to be our base. So today I want to talk about TPT. And obviously when we see those initials, I did look it up, I did Google TPT to make sure there was nothing rude or awkward about those. But when we see them, we think of the Trans-Pennine Trail, those who live in this area. And that's not a bad illustration for life's journey, really. However, it says, this is really what I want to look at. The teaching of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and testimony, our response. So that's what my TPT stands for today. From having gone to the very end of the reading, now I want to jump to kind of in advance of the reading. Before the healing of the man with leprosy, Jesus had gathered his disciples and he was teaching with authority. Jesus came as a rabbi, a teacher. He came to show us the truth to teach us. I quite dislike the term Bible stories because stories imply some sort of fantasy or once upon a time. And these aren't Bible stories. These are Bible truth. These are bibliography. These are historical facts, things that really happened. Jesus had been teaching with great authority. He gave us the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Um, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. And all the rest of them. He gave us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. He gave us The Lord's Prayer as we know it. Our Father who art in heaven. He taught us how to pray. He said, when you pray. Not if you pray. When you pray. And it's something we must do often. Constantly. Continuously. He said, 
I don't know how many times, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be afraid, and so much more. That's just a snippet of the things that he taught us. The teaching of Jesus. And my question this morning really is, do we live it? And if not, why not? I've been reading again. Um, I do a lot of it. I can recommend this book. It's called Live No Lies by a man called John Mark Comer. Live no lies. He does talk about how we know these things, but we don't necessarily live them. And how the devil can be deceptive and how we sometimes, we get caught up in the lies of this world. And we don't, it becomes part of who we are. I'll just read you a snippet really. My point is this, we've been taught and at times the church has aided and abetted secularism here that religious ideas like good, evil and God can't be known. They can only be taken on faith. But for Jesus and the writers of scripture, faith is based on knowledge. It's a kind of deep trust in God that is grounded in reality. This is not how many followers of Jesus in the West approach the Gospels or Scripture in general. Occasionally we'll come across an article where research has proven the truth of something from the Bible, such as one I recently read on Jesus' line, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Short version, the more genuous you are, the happier you are. And we think, oh, cool, now we know it's true. The assumption is that before we just believed, but now we know. In my teaching, I increasingly have to appeal to research from the social sciences because fewer and fewer people view the writings of the New Testament as trustworthy and true. I enjoy the social sciences and am happy to meet people where they are. But until we come to trust Jesus and his biographers as accurate guides to reality, we remain in a kind of intellectual stasis. The writers of the Bible didn't view things like how we should spend our money or who we sleep with or even the resurrection of Jesus from the dead as opinion or conjecture. They viewed them as reality. This is one of the starkest differences between the gospel of Jesus and other major world religions. More than any other form of spirituality, the New Testament is based on events in history. The Bible is full of times, dates, names, places, The four Gospels aren't mythology, but history. And that's just a snippet. That's an easy bit, actually. (laughs) 
I've been really challenged. And there's nothing in this that I haven't known, known for years. And I read through it the first time, romped through it, going, oh, this is good, this is good, this is good. And now I've started again. I'm about halfway through. Because this time, I want to really think about applying it. He makes a good case, challenging our mindset. Have you caught the thread of the challenges that we've been presented with here on Sundays in recent weeks? We've had Jonathan talking to us about temptation and how we live our lives. We've had Sam challenging us on whose authority we live under. Who's, who do we orbit round? Is it ourselves? Is it Jesus? We've had Chris encouraging us to step deeper into a life with God. Because Jesus said so. You've heard it. Have you applied it? I have bits of it. I've lived through bits of it. Some have been a joyful success. Others have been a dismal failure. But it's there. It's all there bubbling round. I said to Sarah Rochel about a month ago, I'm restless. I'm restless. And yet I have been finding direction in the things that have been said here week after week. And in the fellowship that I have had with people here, especially those with whom I pray. The teachings of Jesus. Do we live them? Do we live them? Moving on to our P, the power of Jesus. Jesus had already been demonstrating that he was a powerful healer, healing various kinds of sicknesses. Matthew's gospel tells us that he healed those in severe pain, those who were demon-possessed, people suffering from seizures, paralyzed people. And now, at last, we're at our passage Verse 12, Luke 5, verse 12. The man came to Jesus and asked for help. Why? Because Jesus was already known. Because his teaching and his power were already evident. Wouldn't it be great if people were turning up here because we became known as a place, as a people, where God was evident. Later in verse 14, Jesus tells the man not to tell anyone about his healing. But news travels fast, and this was great news. Jesus reached out and touched him. 
the willingness of our God to respond in compassion to all those who turn to him. The Old Testament Leviticus, it tells us how lepers were to be treated because the disease is contagious and it's horrible and it's fearful. And so lepers had to make themselves conspicuous so that there was no risk of other people picking up that dreadful disease. They wore torn clothes, they covered their faces, they announced their presence, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, they had to say. And they lived outside the camp and they were definitely not to be touched. But Jesus reached out and touched him. For those with power, compassion overcomes legalism. The commentator Matthew Henry likens the leprosy to sin. Only Luke tells us that the man was covered in the disease. He's the only one who tells us the extent of the affliction. And Matthew Henry likens it to our sin. We come to Jesus seeking healing for our souls as well as for our bodies. Jesus told the man to go show yourself to the priest. Why? Well, it was in keeping with the law of the time. He would get proof of his healing and could be reinstated into society if he went through the rituals that the priests would do. And it was proof to the priests, to the authorities of the time, of Jesus' authority. Because it was believed that only God could cure leprosy. So Jesus being able to do this was a direct sign of his divinity. So the power of Jesus, and my question is, do we know it? Do we know it? Acts chapter 10, Peter is explaining how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And in John 14, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Let me just point that out again. Jesus, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, went around doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil. That's quite a broad definition. Because God was with him. 
And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and even greater things. Now, I don't know how that may leave you feeling. It leaves me hugely excited, hugely challenged, and a bit petrified. Because that's not what I see in my life. And I have to ask myself, who or what do I follow? Do I follow my experience, which hasn't been to see huge workings of power, if I'm honest? Now and again, little glimmers, little tiny glimmers now and again. But do I follow my experience? Do I follow my fears? Or do I follow Jesus? Because he said so. And my last point really is D for testimony. Reflecting Jesus. Not necessarily what we say. Though what comes out of our mouths is hugely important. And we need to be careful about what we say. And how we say it. But it also encompasses who we are. And what God is doing in us. Many years ago now, when I was speaking, a lovely, godly lady from the Isle of Man, she said, I like it when you speak. It kind of says, come on in, it's safe. Except I don't feel like that today. Not at all. Today, I feel challenged and chastened. Today, I wonder what I've been doing all these years. Why? I've been busy. I've been distracted. I've been scared. Or actually, life has just been very comfortable. It's nice to come along and do the familiar things and be with nice people. Who wants to be a Jesus freak? And then I ask, do I want to live in truth or in comfort? Because truth can sometimes be uncomfortable. But if I stay in comfort, then I'll stagnate and then I'll die. So that's no life at all. And so we circle right back to where we started. It all hinges on being close to God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Obedient to his call. Walking in unity together. Being prepared to share both what we have and what we lack. That way, we get to reflect the truth that is Jesus. That way, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, 
doing good, healing those under the power of the devil. We get to do those things because God is with us. Because Jesus says so. I've had a very challenging week. There's been a number of things gone on. Um, and not least was seeing this pop up on my Facebook feed. Jesus is worth everything you are afraid of losing. So I have been hugely challenged. And this, I went, ah, oh, not another one, God. My personal reading this week has been in Matthew and it was the uh, parable of the wedding feast and um, Matthew's uh, um, rendition of the story is slightly longer than Luke's I think it's in and um, he talks about how um, during the feast when everyone's been gathered in you know lots of people refused to go they were too busy they had things that you know they'd bought they'd got married they you know um, but the people were gathered in and then in Matthew it relates how the master went round and found someone who wasn't wearing the wedding clothes and reacted really, really harshly. So they were in, they were in the feast but they weren't wearing the wedding clothes that had presumably been issued to them. And he said to them, what are, you, what are you doing here not wearing? And again, another challenge. <laughs> and I'm like, but what I take from that is wear what you've been given. God will use you as you. There is nobody can replace you in the kingdom of God. And you wear what God has given you. Wear what you've been given. Don't miss out on that. Don't just be invited to the feast and then miss out on wearing the fantastic clothes. Whatever that may be in your life. So Jesus is worth everything you are afraid of losing. This morning, Andrea contacted me and she said that God had inspired her to produce this piece of artwork. I don't know, do I need to lift it up a little bit for the people at the back? And it says, let me roar. And I felt it was very appropriate really after what I wanted to say this morning. Let God be God in our lives, in our fellowship, in our everyday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love without measure. Forgive me for not honoring you enough to trust you 
and your word. Forgive me my restricted view of you and what you can do. Help me to see more clearly and to live in the reality, both physical and spiritual, that you offer. And we ask in the precious name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who we acknowledge and know that it is only through him and with him that we move forward. Amen.